want happiness now a lot of people get you know they misplace it they go to the wrong place to try to get it and then when they think they have it they realize that they don't i mean i can't how many celebrities i've interviewed or people i've talked to who they'll share how they thought they had the world and then they realize i've got i actually have nothing right you could have millions of dollars you could have you know this a, a million houses and that is not happiness there are people who have nothing materially and who are really happy Welcome to the special Friday edition of Jesus is Real Radio, featuring Pastor Daniel Fusco and host Billy Hallowell. Each week we share a conversation between Daniel and Billy, and sometimes a special guest will join in. In today's Friday edition of Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel and host Billy dive into a deep conversation regarding happiness. In their discussion, they'll talk about some of the mistakes that many of us make in our pursuit of happiness and what biblical Christ-centered happiness truly is. Now, here's Daniel and Billy with the Friday edition of Jesus is Real Radio. What's happening, everybody? And welcome to the Crazy Happy Podcast with me, Daniel Fusco, I am super excited that you are joining us today. It means the world to me that you would take some time to get built up. People ask me all the time, say, Daniel, doesn't God want me to be happy? I always say, absolutely. God wants you to be happy, but God's plan for happiness is almost never found where we look for it. So we need to understand what's God's plan for our happiness. I want to thank you for rating the podcast, for letting people know about it. Thank you for reaching out on social media. It gets me so excited. And now we're also super excited because the Crazy Happy book, Nine Surprising Ways to Live the Truly Beautiful Life, that is actually titled Crazy Happy, is out. You can pick it up wherever you like to buy books. And people are super, have been super excited about it. And so am I. And as always, on the Crazy Happy Podcast, I am joined by my man, Billy Hallowell. Billy is an author. He is an investigative journalist. He is a spiritual provocateur. He is a social media titan. He is a father. He is a husband. And today, if you're watching the video, he looks great because he's wearing a cardigan sweater. How you doing, Billy? Look at that. I'm doing good. I'm doing well. It went down to like 19 degrees again today. So we got, I gotta, gotta rock my sweater wear. It's better than the hoodie wear, which is what I've been wearing for the last like year and a half during COVID. So, well, if you guys are watching, if you guys are listening to this, you have to realize like Billy just looks great right now. He looks like, you know, (laughs) Dr. Hallowell, professor, (laughs) intellectual. Billy, you've been on the Peloton a little bit. I just, I can just sense it. You have, I have. Well, so I've been on the Peloton and then my wife went out and bought me a bunch of sweaters because I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've been walking around my house in sweats. And then when I have to do an interview or something, I put on like a button down shirt and I pretend like, but today I've got jeans on, I'm dressed. So my wife is helping me step it up and kind of get back into the, into the groove now that COVID's hopefully getting better. And I'm going to have to go back out into society. So now I've got some nice sweaters to wear. Praise God for our brides, huh? Keep, keeping us, <laughs> keeping us professional these days. Exactly. Exactly. So, well, first of all, I don't know how you do all the things you do, but you've got your book now. You've got the crazy happy book. And 
the the first question when I got this book and I was going through it and I'm like I love I love this book. I love that you're tackling this issue of happiness because I think that's it's such a struggle for so many people today, right? Finding happiness, other people, you know, misplacing their happiness. Why did you why did you dive into this? Well, you know, I dove into it because like everyone else, I just want to be happy. Like, you know, <laughs> like I always like to joke that there's a reason McDonald's never developed a sad meal for everyone to buy. You know what I mean? Like it's, like, it's a happy meal for a reason. Like, could you imagine going to McDonald's to give you a sad meal? It's like, it's like have a, it's three a soggy sad burger, meals. a fry, and like a little, a little bag of tissues or something to cry in. Like <laughs> nobody wants that. So it's like, like everyone else, I want to be happy. And what I realized was that, you know, and, and again, I wrote the book before the pandemic and everything. And, and to see it coming out, like in the beginning of 2021 is just like, I see God's hand. I don't like what's happening, but I see God's hand in it because Everyone I know is struggling a little bit. I mean, we're talking about the yeah. pandemic wall. People are like, no, no, this is not a pandemic wall. This is like a pandemic. This is like an existential crisis now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and so we've all lost things in what's gone on, whether it's the loss of innocence or the loss of jobs, the loss of loved ones, in some cases, loss of health. And with all the polarization we've had, I just think people are, are really struggling and what's amazing is, is that everybody knows that Jesus was a person. He was a great teacher. Whatever somebody believes about Jesus, nobody realizes that Jesus in his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, maybe his most famous section of the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes said, this is what a happy person is. And, and, and he explains happiness from God's perspective. So I just really felt like, man, like everybody wants to be happy. I think that's a good thing. I think everybody looks for happiness in places it can't be found. I've definitely done that a lot. Everyone I know has done that a lot. So let's look at what is God's plan for our happiness? And I really wrote the book as much for me because I want to know as, as much for everybody else. And I've been, it's been really exciting to see people in all different places in their faith journey. Some people who are like, man, I, I'm, a, I'm a follower of Jesus and it's the Beatitudes and the fruit of the spirit, those nine surprising ways. And they're loving it. And I've, I've been really hearing a lot from people who don't know Jesus, who are, but are open to him. And they're like, wow, this is really provocative and powerful. I never thought about these things. And this is, I had someone say, I've never read a Christian book before, and I've never read a book about the teachings of Jesus, but I feel like this is impacting me in a positive way. And I have a lot of stuff that I'm thinking about right now. And it's, to me, that gets me super excited. Well, that's, yeah. And that's, that's the thing, right? Being able to make an impact. I think a lot of times, and there's a place for all different kinds of Christian books. There's a place for lectures and there's a place for sermons and all that. And then there's, really this sort of area of common ground that every human being wants certain things. And you, and you said this, people want happiness. Now, a lot of people get, you know, they misplace it. They go to the wrong place to try to get it. And then when they think they have it, they realize that they don't. I mean, I can't, how many celebrities I've interviewed or people I've talked to who they, they'll share how they thought they had the world. And then they realize I've got, I actually have nothing, right? You could have millions of dollars. You could have, you know, this a million houses, and that is not happiness. There are people who have nothing materially and who are really happy. So I'm going to ask the question of what happiness actually is, because you're kind of hinting at that and you're starting to talk about like what, what in your view and what does the Bible tell us happiness specifically is? Yeah, it's a great question. So I, I like to say it this way, that the most basic definition is that happiness is an emotion that we feel of cheerfulness given what's going on. That's like the that's like the, the the Webster's definition of it. But really what the Bible teaches is that happiness isn't in happenings, happiness is a person. 
happiness is in Jesus, you know, and of course in the, in the fourth beatitude, blessed, that word blessed, makarios, oh, how happy, oh, how fortunate, happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. They shall be satisfied. So I always make the case that the happy person is the person who they direct their desires, which for most of us, the happy, the hamster wheel of happiness seeking is, oh, this thing is what I want. This is my desire over here. And, and we're constantly always moving around trying to find something. But ultimately, when, when you do enough of that, you find like everything I'm wanting, none of it really makes me happy. Like, and that's why people, people, normal people get offended by celebrities who are like, my life is so miserable. And it's like, oh yeah, it must be so hard to be a multimillionaire. And you know, you have chauffeurs and you know, oh, it's so so hard for you. You're a professional athlete and you get paid more in one season than I'll get paid in my entire lifetime. So it must be so hard. But really what you realize is you attain all of this status and all the stuff and it doesn't make you happy. And so at some point you're like, I just want everything to be the way it ought to be, to be righteous, yeah. things, everything to be right. Right. And then, of course, when you get there, then you end up landing. When you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you get filled because you meet Jesus, because Jesus is the human embodiment of righteousness. And I love that because I love that idea that they will be filled. Because I always think of that great English theologian, Mick Jagger. Right. <laughs> I can't get no satisfaction. And he tries. And he tries, but he can't get, no, you guys know the song. It's a famous tune. And it's like, Mick's a great example. It's like, he was, he's part of the biggest rock band that ever lived. And, and he, and, and he, it was the crazy seventies. He did all the drugs. He went to all the parties. He knew all the right people, but he can't get any satisfaction because he's looking for it in all these places that happiness can't be found in. So you ultimately you come to Jesus and when you come to Jesus and you abide in Jesus, you have this fulfillment that now all of a sudden, as you move through the world, happiness is found in, I call it crazy happy because it's in these unexpected, surprising places. But because of your, you're fulfilled in Jesus, now you begin to see God working in all of these things. And you get to be really human. Like you get to grieve and you get to realize that the world is broken and you get to realize that, hey, I'm broken and things are messed up, but I get to be a part of the solution. And so that's why I always like to say like crazy happy is not like Ren and Stimpy, like happy, happy, joy, joy, like, you know, kind of, you know, zany or, or mental health kind of crazy. It's, it's unexpected God's plan for happiness and where we find it. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting to me that the times that I've ended up doing things that I thought this is not something I'd naturally want to do or, but it was something I knew I was supposed to do. Those are the times that you walk away the happiest, right? Because it's something that God had for you. The times that I try to make something happen or make something work that really wasn't really supposed to work or maybe wasn't you know, the best plan for me are the times that I'm the least happy, right? Even if the result of the thing is really positive. It's like, well, whether that's a book or whatever the project is. And I've done a lot of that where I do things that are you know, I'm like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to follow what I want to do. And you get ahead of yourself and you get, you try to get ahead of God. And that, that never really seems to, to go, to go very well. But, you know, with that, I was curious and you sort of hinted at this a little bit. And I know in, in your book, you hinted at this a little bit too, but a lot of times when we talk about happiness and people not having it, we think of people who aren't in the church, but there are, there are people in church who still find themselves not finding happiness. They find themselves maybe off center. Why do you think that happens? And how can people correct that? If there's people listening, watching who are dealing with that and they're Christians, but they can't figure out why they can't get, they can't cling on to happiness. 
Yeah, that's a great question, Billy. And it's something that we've all experienced. I mean, even for me, I wrote this book at a time when I was leading a great church and God was doing amazing things and the church was growing. I had written a book and it had come out that, you know, all this stuff was happening, but I found myself unfulfilled and unhappy. So the idea that like, oh, you just put your faith and trust in Jesus and now you're just going to walk in this amazing overflowing fulfillment. It is true that it's possible, but for a lot of us, what happens is we make the same mistake that everyone has made as long as humans have been there. And, and it's really defined for us in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, an amazing verse, kind of a sad one, but one that I find myself in very often where God is lamenting to the prophet Jeremiah and he really says, he says, my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they've hewn for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that hold no water. So like really what you find is that we had, so for the children of Israel at the time of Jeremiah, they had turned themselves away. They had forsaken God who he defines himself as the fountain of living waters or the source of all that is life giving and nourishing. And instead they made themselves these cisterns, these water pots. And then he says, but they're broken cisterns and they can't hold any water. And so what happens is, is sometimes people, you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you're like, okay. I have my faith and trust in Jesus. Now I'm going to be happy. But then what happens is we have a tendency. Maybe we turn away from Jesus and we turn to a theological position or we turn to when I get to lead a small group, then I'm going to be happy. Or you turn to, well, I'm giving my, I'm giving my generosity to the church. And so I should be happy, but I'm not really happy. And what happens is we have a tendency to make something a cistern. It's, it's a water pot that we make on our, in our own hands. It's like the Tower of Babel problem. The problem with the Tower of Babel is they, they wanted to get to heaven without God. As believers, we can be like the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son, where the older brother was stayed with the father. He wasn't like the prodigal who went away, but he missed the father's heart. And he's like, I'm always here serving you. And why are you rejoicing over my brother who was a loser? And he came back and our hearts just, we, we, we missed the point because we turn from the Lord and then we end up making something that we hope is going to make us happy, but it doesn't. And what I found is that when a person gets saved, that capacity to cistern building is still there. And sometimes we have to go through that as believers where we realize, oh, you know, all this stuff that I think matters, it doesn't matter. Like I've seen, we've seen a lot of believers with this recent election. You saw a lot of believers who lost their happiness in the election. And it's like, well, hold on a second. Like is Jesus fulfilling or is he not? But it happens because we can we can build ourselves a cistern so easily. And I see it in my own life all the time. So I'm not talking down on anyone. I'm like, this has been my experience. We all do it. Well, and it's, you think about the material world that we live in and it's always been a material world. But right now I feel like everything is the here and now, right? Like culturally. And I feel like for me, I can't speak for other Christians. It's so easy to fall into that. Like, oh, you, know, you just you think so earthly because and not not just with stuff, just in general. And when that happens, I often find that it distracts me away from focusing on what I should be focusing on, which is what God wants for me. How should I act today? How should I love people today? What should you know? And you start to kind of just think through the thing. And and listen, life is busy, right? Like we get busy. There's things that happen. When you mentioned the election, you know, you you start to put your faith in things that are in before us, like materially here, instead of God in God. And so that seems to be a really toxic thing that I that I catch myself in, and I have to constantly be pulling myself back out of that. 
And I find for me that like being in the word every day is what really helps, you know, that, that when I start my day, which I do every, every morning, that really helps me and keeps me going for you. What would you say has been, and you mentioned before, like you were feeling a little bit unfulfilled. You had the book, you had the church going, like what has been your hardest struggle in ministry when it comes to happiness and how have you overcome that? Well, yeah, there's a number of things. And I, I think what you're saying is really pressing on it for all of us because, you know, they say that we live in an, in an attention economy, that, that everything is driven to keep your attention. And so whether it's social media or the news or websites, everyone's just trying to keep you, keep your attention. Like my, my son who's 16 just said to me, dad, don't forget if something's for free, you're the product. And it's such, such a brilliant statement. He's like, if, you, if they're giving you something for free. Your son's smart. I mean, he gets it from his mom, you know what I mean? And like he said it to me, I was just like, oh, that's so good. Like, because he had, he had read it somewhere and it made a lot of sense to him. And so so because we live in an, in, a, in an attention economy, the reason we're all struggling is because there is, it's a multi-billion dollar industry to have our awareness and our attention. And so what you're saying, I think is so powerful because what happens is, is God is not doing like a blitz media campaign to get your attention. He speaks in a still small voice. You know what I mean? Like, so we, we have to intentionally make those decisions to give God our attention, to give him our awareness, to realize who we are in him. And it's not that the things that we're going through are not important. It's not like the here and now is inconsequential. It just shouldn't be what's driving our character and our personalities. Now, to, to get to your question about uh, in the ministry, one mistake that a lot of people who do the work of ministry, and I believe we are all in ministry, it's just a matter of where, what seat we're serving from. But for people like maybe like me who are pastors or in vocational ministry or someone's like a, a kid's ministry worker or a greeter at their church or they're a, a musician at their church or they're an elder at their church or whatever it may be, one of the things that we have a tendency to do is we have a tendency to try and find our fulfillment out of the work we get to do for God rather than have our fulfillment in God. And then we do the work out of the overflow. And I think I've definitely found that where it's like, I know I'm not supposed to do it, but like you're looking for an identity in the midst of that. I remember my pastor, pastor John Henry Corcoran, he said to me, it was so provocative. He said, Daniel, if we ever get asked to step down from a ministry, we always have to remember, we don't ever step down because we've never been up. We simply step aside and we let the Lord do what he wants to do. And I remember it was a very provocative statement because I never thought about it that way. But I, what I realized was that sometimes we think that, oh, they're asking me to step down and that's bad. It's like, no, no, you only step down when you're up. But if Jesus is up, if he's increasing and we're decreasing, we never are up. We just serve at yeah. the pleasure of the king. And if someone says, hey, I don't want you to do that anymore, then we we see how easily our identity gets tied up in these things. And, and I'm not saying this is like, I've never made this mistake. I'm sure I'm probably making it right now, you know? But when you become aware of it, you say, oh Lord, forgive me for my pride, forgive me. And then all of a sudden, you, God frees us up to be happy in him and then enjoy the things that we get to do in his name. But those things should not be identity builders. And maybe it's good for all of us. Like I had never thought about how hard it is for pastors. Like, it, being a pastor is an amazing, but it's a hard job. And there was some survey data out of, you know, Lifeway, I think it was, where they were, they were asking pastors about different struggles and what it's like. And you really saw what an amazing position it is. But I think at the same time, a struggle for some people. And then you have all of us kind of sitting there and we're listening to you guys and we're watching and you talked about like stepping aside but I think a lot of times as parishioners and people in churches it's really easy to elevate the pastor up 
and to kind of contribute to that too, right? Like that whole dynamic of not that a pastor isn't leading the church. That's not my point, but I think you know what I mean. Like acting like this person is never going to make a mistake. They're all the way up here. They're, they're so perfect. And it creates these unrealistic expectations. I think too, I can't speak for you, but it's just, it's always interesting to me that dynamic between churches and the people going to church and a pastor. And when it comes to the happiness of that pastor as well, I think you need to consider those things. Or am I am I off base? I don't know. No, I, I think you're right on. And there's an old saying that expectations ruin relationships. So like, like your pastor or your priest or the spiritual leader who you listen to, they're just a person just like you. And so like, like I always tell people that what, what one of the things that makes being a pastor so hard is that I'm the biggest issue I have in the ministry, like me personally. On my own issue. And so pastors are just, they're, they're fallen yet redeemed people. And so in a lot of ways for me, I don't feel kind of crazy expectations from the Crossroads family because they know me, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I have dreadlocks. Like, so it's like, no one's like, oh man, this guy's so holy. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and I've tried to do a good job of just being like, when I'm talking, like I said it already in this time, like I'm not preaching down on anyone. Like I'm just, I'm on the journey too. Like at best, I'm a sheep with a teaching gift. You know what I mean? And so, so I'm just trying to follow Jesus myself. And there's times when I'm going to get stuff wrong. I think what happens is, is that, you know, we should never put expectations on our leaders that we don't have for ourselves, you know, cause I, within yeah. the kingdom of God, I do not believe that Jesus has a different standard for pastors and for other people. Now, don't get me wrong. There are things that if a pastor does, he loses his opportunity to sit in that role. And that's very real. But like for any believer, they do those same things. It's bad for them, you know? Yeah. And and so, so yeah. I think for, for me, you know, I, I think the, the reality is that I can do a better job pastoring when I find my joy in Jesus, not in the response that I get from the people, you know, like, like, yeah. like, and, and when that happens, and I think that's true for everything, like your vocation becomes something that is destructive rather than edifying when we put the wrong eggs in that basket. Like God gave us work as a, uh, as a gift, go back and read Genesis chapter two. But if we make our work, the place of fulfillment, whether it's ministry or writing or teaching or being a parent or what, all of these things, when, when we give it undue clout in our hearts, it becomes destructive and, and it tears us down and it, and it steals and robs our joy. Yeah. And I mean, I can say that, you know, as, as somebody who, and you could relate to this too, when you're writing a book or you're working on a project and it releases, you know, when you start to obsess over what everybody's saying about it, not that you don't want to take constructive criticism or anything like that, but when you start to obsess over the sale and how many people saw it, and if these people didn't see it, you know, you start to take away from, again, if you, if you're doing what God called you to do, you can't obsess about those other details. There may be three people who were supposed to read that book. And it may be for those three people there. Hopefully there's more, but, and it's easy to get yourself worth wrapped up into comments and reviews. And, and this is just one example. It's the same, no matter what we're talking about in life, you know, and, and we've got to be so careful of that. And so when I think about crazy happy, which I love, I love the title, obviously the title of the podcast too, but I love the title of the book. If somebody picks up crazy happy, they read it, they finish it. What do you want them to be kind of like thinking and feeling? What's the takeaway in your mind, the optimal takeaway? Well, I think the optimal takeaway is that they'd find themselves on the crazy happy journey. Like, you know, like they'll, they'll find themselves happier and not because their, their circumstances change, but because they've changed and how they're seeing their circumstances because they're letting Jesus define what this all looks like. Jesus is 
What is happiness? Isn't that a question we all hear far too often? Well, hopefully after hearing Pastor Daniel and host Billy's discussion about happiness, you gained a better perspective on what happiness looks like for the believer. In their discussion, they shared some insightful thoughts and discernment between happiness from the world's perspective and the happiness that Christ desires for his own. We'll have a preview of next week's episode in just a moment. Thanks for listening to the Crazy Happy Podcast with Pastor Daniel Fusco and author and journalist Billy Hallowell. Each week you'll hear discussion on important topics that affect your life now. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and get notified each time we post a new edition of the show. For more information, visit JesusIsRealRadio.com. Now, here's Josh. Be sure to tune in for the conclusion of Pastor Daniel and Billy's discussion about happiness. In the second part of this discussion, you'll learn that it's not a matter of where we find happiness, but a matter of who that happiness is found in. If you ever find yourself seeking happiness in the what and where of life, then their conversation will be sure to inspire you to get back on track to seek happiness from Jesus. Well, that's all the time we have for this special Friday edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. For more information, visit JesusIsRealRadio.com. Today's broadcast was produced from the Crazy Happy Podcast with Pastor Daniel Fusco and host Billy Hallowell. Be sure to subscribe to the Crazy Happy Podcast today. And be sure to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.